Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 654th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is building a network of neighborhood compost hubs. We're talking with Alyssa Brodsky about composting for profit. Alyssa is a soil farmer at Food to Soil as well as their web builder, meaning she is working to expand the food-to-soil web of decentralized community composting hubs throughout the city of San Diego, including policy work and participant outreach. She has served in the Peace Corps, working in agriculture for three years in Madagascar, and with her partner, she is starting her own market garden farm. Alyssa is fueled by Outraged that food scraps are considered waste, right? And by awe in the beauty of the composting process. Welcome to the show today, Alyssa. Are you ready to rock compost? Yeah, let's rock on. Awesome. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Growing up, I was always aware of composting my Mom had a great impact on making sure that we always took our food scraps out to the compost pile, but it was very casual, just filling up the compost bin and then every summer bringing out that compost and putting it in the garden. And that's how I really grew up, knowing about compost, knowing that we shouldn't be wasting anything around us. And when I got to college, I started studying business and in business school, I enjoyed it, but struggled with the day-to-day life of business and I learned about woofing worldwide opportunities on organic farms. And so after a couple of years of business school, I went and I woofed in France and I got to wow. I got to shepherd goats and sheep on mountains and it was awesome, milking goats, learning more about raising animals. And I just totally fell in love with animal husbandry. So when I got back, I started studying animal husbandry and I got my degree in animal sciences and started working in a dairy farm. That was during college. I was working on the dairy farm and got to milk cows every morning at 4 a.m. and what a great experience. And so when I finished college, I started working for a company who worked with farmers in Bangladesh on dairy farming and gender in technology adoption. And that was a really interesting experience to learn more about farmers, technology adoption and gender issues within agriculture. So 
from that experience, I joined the Peace Corps and worked in Madagascar for three years, worked and lived in rural Madagascar where there wasn't wow. really many dairy animals, but there was rice farming. So I really learned more about intensive rice farming. And in addition to intensive rice farming, we were trained on compost and how to build compost and incorporate it into your farm. And so that's really when I started getting more technical knowledge on compost. Although it was always present in my life, I learned more about the science behind it. And when I got back from, from Madagascar, I went on a three-week road trip with my father. We called it Trash Tour USA 2019, where we visited 25 facilities that somehow managed trash from in between Illinois and San Diego, where I now live. So we wow. were visiting compost facilities, we were visiting landfills, recycling centers, anything that you could think of that had to do with waste, that's where we're at. And so all of this is, you know, just stewing in me, learning about waste, knowing more about compost and farming. So when I got to San Diego, I was really looking for a way to earn an income composting because I knew that it was such a valuable resource that we couldn't bear to waste any longer. And so I found Food to Soil and I got in the internship program and took the internship and learned more about community composting. And I stuck around and I was able to start managing one of our hubs, the Food to Soil hubs in community composting, as well as working for Food to Soil as our network expansion manager. So that's a little bit about me. Wow. And cool, you got to, you drove across the country with your dad looking at composting facilities. Oh, well, it was all types of facilities, mostly landfills, to be honest. If uh -huh. you haven't been to Mount Trashmore in Iowa, you got to go. <laughs> it's really just a landfill that's called Mount Trashmore, but, or it's a closed landfill, I should say. So we went to all different facilities, but we got to see large composting facilities that were attached to landfills as well. You know, it's seven degrees out in Iowa in March, and these compost piles are just steaming. Oh, uh, really bet. cool to see. And what a cool thing to do with your dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Yeah. I went on a couple of trips when I was younger with my dad. He was not at all interested in fish farming, but he knew that I was. So he arranged a couple of uh, fish farm visit for, visits for me. And he went along. Wow. Right? <laughs> That's cool. Awesome. So you said some really interesting things that I kind of want to delve into a little bit more. You mentioned an acronym that you called WOOFing. Oh, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell, because a lot of our listeners may not know what that is. Would you just give us a one minute, what is it and what difference it made for you in your life? Oh, yeah, sure. Woofing is an incredible opportunity. It stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And you're able to go volunteer on organic farms for a short amount of time and you get your food and living expenses paid for and you just volunteer for their farm. I had the beautiful opportunity to work on a goat, sheep, and cow herding operation in the Pyrenees of France. Oh, and so no there way. I was shepherding for two months. Wow. And I, I love shepherding. It was really fun just to experience such a close relationship with goats and sheep and tend to them kind of was the introduction to, to me about tending and caring for organisms to make a living. So woofing is a great, great opportunity. I also was able to woof on a fruit orchard. So that was really cool making jams. There's a lot of opportunities moving and it's worldwide. So you can go basically anywhere in the world and volunteer on a farm. Nice. Well, I, yeah. and starting in 1999, I started hosting woofers here at the urban farm. And, oh, cool. And over about 10 or 12 years, I had close to a hundred different woofers that had come. 
Um, well, and what do they do for you? Oh, well, so the urban farm is a third of an acre, 80 feet wide, 160 feet deep. There's always something to do, especially, with, <laughs> yeah. you know, because we have this old growth edible landscape here. So I would just put them to work. And, you know, sometimes they would stay overnight. And I had one girl stay for a year. So oh, wow. it was uh, it was a really cool experience for me getting to know mostly young people, although I did have a 70 year old that came and woofed here at one point. <laughs> That's great. But mostly, you know, young people. So, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because you mentioned that. You also said you're a soil farmer. Say more about that. Right. Yeah. So a soil farmer is a person in the food soil network that is composting food scraps generated by our food soil members. So a food soil member is somebody who is dropping off their food scraps to any of our decentralized hub locations. And that can be in the form of a subscription. So they subscribe monthly to drop off their food scraps and they have access to drop it off throughout the city. They could also be a bucket drop member, which means they have a five gallon bucket and they fill that up, layering it with mulch. And when the bucket is full, usually takes about two weeks to a month, they can bring it into our hubs during hub hours. And so those food to soil members bring in their food scraps and our soil farmers are those of us who are processing those food scraps and earning an income doing that. So a, a soil farmer is processing between one, one 32 gallon cart to eight 32 gallon carts a week and wow. earn 70 per, 70% of the profit from, of the subscription fees from those carts in the subscription. So you've mentioned a couple of times, make a profit. And yes. <laughs> in some realms, that's kind of bad word in the realm of what we're doing. It's But from me, so I've been self-employed since I was 14 years old. That was over 40 years ago. Let's just say that. And <laughs> if I'm running a business, there has to be profit. Otherwise, the business goes out of business, right? Right. And when we look at nature and permaculture systems in nature, there's always a profit in nature. You have an apple tree, you get those apples. That's your profit. So where are you getting your profit at or where are you getting your income at so that there's profit for the people that are working it? Yeah, that's a great question. And it is kind of a frame shift from what people are used to thinking of, especially with food waste. Mm -hmm. But people are paying for the service for people to mm. process it into food waste. And so you're paying for the service of composting. So you know, first of all, that your food scraps aren't going into the landfill and Two, you also have access to all you can sift compost, so you can come sift compost if you want any. But really, people are paying for putting their dollar where they think it counts, and that's diverting food scraps from the landfill. Yes. So that's where our uh, income is coming from. Got it. All right. Awesome. Thank you for that. So for just to reiterate from what I said a moment ago, profit has to be the built-in. Profit's a good thing. So if you're out there listening yeah. to this thinking, oh, God, profit, there's profit in nature. There's profit in business. There has to be. Otherwise, the system or the business goes away. Greens versus browns in sure. composting. And, you know, most of, I suspect, and I want to dig it a little bit deeper into this as well, but I suspect most of what you're getting are greens. So can you tell people what greens are and what browns are? and what you get and how you find more browns? Yes, yes, that's, that's always the question with composting. And so greens are your nitrogen source and browns are your carbon source. 
And so in a compost pile, you need to balance them. And people are, you know, the jury's out on what your, your the best ratio is, but basically you need a ratio between the two. And so with food to soil, we choose a 50-50 ratio between greens and browns, nitrogen and carbon. And with food waste, that's usually a nitrogen nitrogen material or green material, exactly right. how you said. Mm-hmm. And so, well, I mean, we're almost never getting any browns for sure. And so what we do is we source mulch from landscaping companies. So when landscaping companies are Uh, um, cutting down a tree and they chip it, they, you normally either have to bring it to the landfill greenery where they process like landscaping materials, but that also they have to pay for that, but they can do free drops. And this is available almost nationwide to my understanding is the ability to get that mulch from, from landscaping companies. So we have landscaping companies do a mulch drop, but those are huge drops. Yes. Uh, definitely be warned if you think that, that you want some mulch, so you're going to get, you know, 20 yards of mulch, which is quite a, quite a lot. But we set one cart full of mulch next to every empty cart where people are dropping off their food scraps. So people drop off their food scraps and then they layer mulch on top of that. And so actually as the carts are getting full. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait, hold on. You're so you're, they're paying to bring their scraps in. And you're t- actually teaching them how to do the composting process. So they dump their scraps in and then put a couple of shovels of mulch in. Yeah, exactly. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. It, it, it's brilliant for a number of reasons. And one that we didn't see coming is that as they're getting layered in that cart, the liquid from those food scraps, which generally do have liquid, gets soaked up by the mulch. And so the liquid loss that you would normally have if you're just collecting a ton of scraps and then processing it alongside brown separately this allows the mulch to soak in the water and you don't actually have to add that much or any liquid in addition, depending on the mix and how much people mulch has put, been put in and the food scraps. But generally there's that mulch is soaking up that liquid sitting in the cart. So that's how people are dropping off their food scraps. And then with the bucket drop, people get one bucket full of mulch and then an empty bucket and they do that layering within their own bucket. It also prevents smells. It's way easier to process. There's a million benefits to it and nearly no downside. <laughs> wow. This is a yeah. brilliant idea. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate Food to Soil's nimbleness in making changes to the business plan. Our founder is very, very ingenious with, with ideas and seeing what the issues are and changing. You know, there's no, there's no idea that we have to stick to, you know, let's see what's happening and change accordingly. And our members are extraordinarily understanding and ready to make changes to see this idea through. Wow. And how did this program start? Yeah. So this program started way before I joined. Our founder, Sara, she was looking into starting a composting collective that is social enterprise. So that Mm -hmm. would be able to operate with, you know, income, that type of stuff. And so I know that she actually did You've, you've interviewed her before, so for any listeners who really want to hear the full story, please feel free to go listen to that episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll put that in, this, in the uh, yeah. show notes. Great, great. Yeah, put it in the show notes. But basically, it started with just a couple of restaurants and their food scraps and, and a hub where, where that food waste was getting processed. And as it became more obvious how the needs were evolving in San Diego for mm-hmm. these food scraps and, and residential food scraps versus restaurant food scraps versus also the policy end of it, which I'd love to get into oh, later. Yeah. This idea really was an evolution of many different factors coming together, but started with just a couple a couple of carts of scraps from a restaurant. So are you mostly, so you brought up the restaurant, are you mostly getting scraps from homeowners or do you have restaurants bringing them down as well? 
you know, it's mostly at this point, residential food scraps. That's a, a definite pivot. We, especially with the time of COVID, most of the restaurants were no longer um, mm, right. producing food scraps. And at the same time, residents and our residential program really boomed. So people had more time to find this opportunity to think about their food scraps. And so our revenue stream was really shifted to 70% of it is coming from residential food scraps, mm -hmm. mostly multifamily homes or apartment complexes, that yeah. type of thing. People who don't have the opportunity to compost for themselves in their backyard. And it used to have a lot more, we used to have a lot more restaurants and now that's very much decreased. Nice. So you said mostly residential. And about four years ago, I started collecting food scraps from one local restaurant here in town, a, a place that I frequent. And I'll get between five and 10 buckets of food waste. Now this food waste is the ends of tomatoes and lettuce, ends of lettuce and that kind of stuff. So it's before it goes out to any plates. And the other piece that we're getting from them are the five gallon plastic buckets that they bring pickles in their front end. And that's, that's what awesome. I take. That's what I take away in is those buckets. So we have this literally get about 500 five gallon buckets a, a year. The crazy part about all this before I came along, you know, what was happening to this stuff? Oh no. Landfill. <laughs> even landfill, the buckets, <laughs> even the buckets. So I really encourage, you know, to check out food to soil and what they're doing and see if you can get something like that started in your neighborhood or check with your local restaurant, find a restaurant and just do your own composting because that works, doesn't it? Yeah, no, that that definitely works. People want their food scraps to be diverted. The food scraps are great for composting. You can make really high quality compost. If you're if you are producing worm compost, you can get a lot of food scraps from your worms as well, you know, so or you can get a lot of food scraps for your worms. I mean, so there's a lot of opportunity to be collecting from restaurants or your neighbors. I, I did some math earlier on what kind of impact you could make by just processing one cart a week. So you're saying you, how many buckets were you getting from them? Uh, I get usually eight to 10 five-gallon buckets a week. Okay, eight to 10 five-gallon buckets. So so the math I was doing for was for about six five-gallon buckets. So you're even doing more than this. But yeah. if you're doing six five-gallon buckets a week, and you do that for an entire year, uh -huh. you'll be diverting about four tons of food waste from the landfill. What? You'll be taking 0.6 vehicles off of the road. And oh my, what was the amount of US forest equivalent? Anyways, there's a lot of impact you can make with just a, one restaurant. Sounds like you're doing more than that, right? All of our soil farmers are, are doing more than one cart a week. And so wow. you can see how if you just double, triple, or quadruple that, which isn't that difficult to do four carts a week, right? You're still right. process, you're still processing something super manageable. At Ocean View Growing Grounds, the hub that I co-manage, we're doing about eight carts a week. So you can see how this is just an awesome opportunity to make a huge impact on the environment. What's yeah, no kidding. Four tons for the work that I do, at least four tons diverted. That that is huge. That is huge. Yeah, four tons a year. So yeah. you mentioned you've mentioned a couple times something called a cart. Four carts a year. A yes. Week. What is a cart? A cart. So sorry, cart is our way of collecting. It's a 32 gallon cart. So it's smaller than your like large garbage cans, mm -hmm. but it's still a sturdy, petite 32 gallon cart. So when we're accepting five or six gallon buckets, we can kind of count them in carts. The way that we intake our compost or food scraps from our subscribers is generally in these 32 gallon carts. And how many 
five-gallon buckets can you put into a 32-gallon cart? Because, And the reason I ask this this way is because I know that that five-gallon bucket of food waste breaks down really quickly to maybe yeah. a gallon. So it's not just six buckets going into this 32-gallon cart, right? Yeah, that's such a that's such a good question. So we just do the math as there's about six buckets in a in a 32 gallon cart, six times mm. five thirty, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not taking into account that you know when people are filling up those five gallon buckets that it's probably decompressing over time and that right. it, it was probably full and went down and it was full and went down and full and down. Some people bring in extraordinarily heavy buckets because they've been doing that, and some people bring in lighter buckets because they just filled it up all at once. So it is variable, but we try to be conservative with our estimates to not overpromote or anything like that. This is a conservative number. So you call this community scale composting. If somebody was interested in doing something like this in their in their neighborhood, what where would they go? What's their first step? Oh, that's that's a wonderful question as well. So the first step is to understand the policy around your neighborhood. So policy around food scrap collection, as well as food scrap processing. So definitely go to our website, www.foodtosoil.net to see more about policy. We have a whole policy page that can help you understand it better. But basically, you need to understand if you're allowed to haul food waste. So if you're allowed to pick up and bring it somewhere, if that's what you want to do. And you also need to understand if you're allowed to process food scraps that weren't generated at your site. So if it was you're, you're definitely allowed to, in general, process food scraps that you generated, right? But if you're gener- processing stuff that was generated off-site, there's definitely zoning regulations that could block that. Uh-huh. So you want to know if your operation is viable in both zoning ordinances and um, franchise agreements with haulers that might exclude people from picking up food waste, which, you know, the Soil Farmer Program is a way to pivot away from hauling in the first place, although we do haul in the city that we're allowed to. But in other places, you're not allowed to do that. So that's one thing that you want to find out first is policy and definitely check out our webpage. So that's one thing to consider. Another thing to consider is if you want to receive payment for it. And that's just something you'll need to understand for yourself. But Mm -hmm. we definitely, as you can tell, we're doing it for a profit. We want to see that this is a sustainable, viable operation that can last for a while. And that is really supported when you're receiving a payment because you are providing a service. So that's something to consider. If you are in the county of San Diego, or honestly, if you're outside of the county of San Diego, we would love for you to reach out to us, create food to soil network in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, we say we're, we're currently in the county of San Diego, but we are happy to see this model through in another spot. So if your first step is reaching out to us, that's also great. Nice. And your website? Our website is www.foodtosoil.net. And you can email us at info at foodtosoil.net. Perfect. Let's talk about the reactions, some of the reactions that you get from people, visitors to your soil farms. I'm sure there's been one or two instances for you that something happened and you knew in that moment, it's like, oh, yes, that is why I do what I, I just got chills when I said <laughs> that because I saw I'm, I'm seeing what you're where you're going. I haven't heard it yet, uh-huh. but uh, there's got to <laughs> be one of those, right? Oh, of course, of course. Um, so one of the tasks that I love to do and that I get to do is visiting our soil farmers at their hub, just checking in with them. And I definitely have that time. The first time that I got to do these visits and I slowly came to realize how impactful 
processing food scraps and being a part of the Food to Soil Network and being a soil farmer has been to each of our soil farmers. And, you know, it's, it's just two, three, maybe four hours a week for a soil farmer commitment, but it is transformative. It really changes something inside of you mm-hmm. to be processing food scraps, to be mm-hmm. experiencing composting. And I got to see this on so many, uh, the level of yeah, innovation with each soil farmer. Each soil farmer is in their own neighborhood, in their own context, and their ability to come up with ideas for their situation. How many times I saw a neighbor come talk to them about that while I was there. Nice. You know, this was, it's impactful to see the environmental change, but the emotional and the honestly spiritual change that, that can happen when you're composting. It's so cool. You know, I think about how it would, people really want to be casually composting, you know, oh yeah, I put my food scraps in the compost. And a lot of people tell me like, oh, you know, composting didn't really work for me, especially when it's just your home compost, just your own pile. But when I saw this, I really realized, you know, composting isn't casual. You know, this is something that is going to touch you on a different level. And that really was an aha moment for me because, you know, I'm very excited about composting, excited about the, the ability to process food waste. And mm-hmm. so this was something in addition that really touched, touched my heart. <laughs> nice. In Maricopa County, that's the county I live in, that's Phoenix, Scottsdale, so on and so on. And this is a 2008 number. According to the Food and Drug Administration, we had back then 1,100 tons of food waste per day, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? So first of all, that is a huge environmental impact if you're just throwing it into the landfills. You're yeah. making a pretty big impact with what you're doing by diverting it from the landfills. How many hubs do you have and, and what difference does is your program making? Yeah, that's, that's huge numbers that we're dealing with. The 1,100 tons, what is that? A day, right. yeah, you know, and exactly. that's, that's your county. I know Phoenix is a huge, huge city, but still. <laughs> so is San Diego. A, so is San Diego. So we have 18 neighborhood drop-off hubs, and we have 11 processing hubs and 380 drop-off participants. And so wow. throughout the city, we have 18 places people can drop off, 11 places where they're being composted. And so it's pretty cool. Not only are we diverting, but we're also processing locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, 53% of our food scraps are actually processed where they're dropped off. And so oh, that's an nice. extra addition. A lot of times you'll see cities are going to roll out these composting programs, but that food waste is also being hauled out, you know, 20, 30 miles. Right. And I don't have a specific example for that. So that's all right. Good. Sorry for that. But so for San Diego in a year, there's about 590,000 tons of food waste produced. And so that's huge. Yeah, that's a huge <laughs> That's number. a lot. And since we've started in 2015, we've diverted 357 tons. So wow. the that's a huge impact, number. 357 tons is quite a lot, but when you're looking at that 590,000 tons per year, mm-hmm. and that 357 is over the course of our yeah since 2015. So we are dropping the bucket, but we need lots and lots of those drops. You know, that's that's how we hope to make change. So yes, there's impact, but we really want to increase that significantly. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you are. Yeah. (laughs) And the bonus for me collecting from, you know, my restaurant that I collect from, the bonus for me is I don't have to buy compost anymore. I make enough compost 
year over year on my, you know, on those 10 buckets a week, plus a couple neighbors, plus ours to compost all my garden beds, which yeah, is huge. That's awesome. It's, that's it's, huge. Right. It's made on site. It's got the microbes for my site. You know, it's just, it's huge. That's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Congratulations. I love your enthusiasm and I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, and I will say we are starting, we use food to soil compost on our farm and it's an incredible sight to see all these beautiful, delicious vegetables coming up. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, it's just a full cycle that you, you get to see. Yeah. And that's really important. The full cycle part of yeah. basically we're going from food scrap to food, to food scrap, to food, to food scrap. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a cool. circular process. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Thanks for all that work that you do. I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. When I think of failures in food to soil, I come up short because of the way that we, we frame the way we look at, at our operations and the way that we look at expansion is rather than seeing something as a failure, we think, okay, that didn't work. (laughs) And why didn't it work? And let's, Think about how to reframe it to make it work. You know, I've never been in the situation which something didn't work at Food to Soil and our founder, Sarah, says, oh, that failed. You know, right. <laughs> you know, she is an incredible mentor to help reframe these things and to say, well, you know, if you don't like doing something, then stop doing it. Let's find something that you do like doing and that's going to succeed. Brilliant leader. And- <laughs> that was a brilliant <laughs> that- leader alert. Hello. <laughs> Seriously, seriously brilliant. And I just can't say how grateful I am to have that influence in my life to say that, you know, it's so many times in my life, it's, you know, oh, let's push through like this isn't working. Let's keep trying harder rather than let's find something that is enjoyable Mm -hmm. and see it through and work as hard as we can. And then when it's not working, pivot. Excellent. Well, and this is the reason I asked this question is because I don't see failure as failure either. I see it as an opportunity to learn. You know, if you fail at something, it's just, you know, I killed a tree. Okay, don't do that again. Right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And what do you consider your biggest success? Oh, you know, that is a tough question, especially with food to soil, which is such a collaborative atmosphere. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that I would personally take credit for, you know, especially as someone who's what I call getting compost therapy weekly, which means I go and compost <laughs> weekly Nice. is that, you know, even this compost process, I'm tending to it, but I'm definitely not the one doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely the microorganisms. It's those worms, it's the bacteria, fungi. And so that's a weekly lesson for me is, you know, there's this beauty that's happening and I'm there facilitating or, you know, observing. So thinking of a success for, This is kind of difficult, but I will say that something I was thinking about is that I do see a success in taking advantage of this opportunity. You know, as a millennial, we are inundated with opportunities and can easily decide to do one thing and not the other. And this is an opportunity that many people have worked to make happen. And just participating and going there weekly, I find to be, you know, it's a small success, but it's also an extreme success that I've made time in my life for this to be a big part of it. Yeah. You know, I've so said, that's, that's what I'll say. Yeah. I've said for <laughs> yeah. years that, and think instead of the compost word, think of the S word, but I've said for years, compost happens 
because somebody, <laughs> because somebody said so. You know, things happen in the world because somebody says so. Mm. And, you know, being a millennial, you know, there's some millennials out there that are rock stars and there's some millennials out there that aren't doing much. And being really a boomer, I'm a boomer, being a millennial that actually goes out and creates something, that in itself is a success. And you are create what I see you doing is creating more success around this organization. And so I, I actually get to see her in the Zoom meeting. You guys don't get to see it. But <laughs> when I said that, her face lit up. She was just like <laughs> bright all over the place. So we hit the nail on the head on that one. What drives you? Like, what's your big why in the world? Wow, that's exactly the question I was asking myself is why, what's the big why? And I was actually in lecture hall where the question was posed that in business school, mm -hmm. you know, where I was very confused at the time because I did not like studying business. What is your big why? And the answer I came up with at the time, which has always been true, is I want to feed people. Food is what drives me. Mm. Um, initially, it was, you know, making it and then it was growing it. And although it still is both of those things, now it's also feeding the soil that will allow us to do that. Yeah. You know, you really can't study food and our agriculture system without finding that the soil is going to be the most important part. You know, even studying dairy farming, the food that we feed our dairy cattle, that also needs to be regenerative. And so I think it just compost comes down to, I want to feed people. And this is one of the first steps, and I don't know if I'll keep going on that ladder. I don't know what's below soil, maybe water, but uh, that's that's what drives me. Feeding. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Sure. So I am an avid reader. I mostly read fiction books, so I will not recommend my fiction books right now. But for composting and soil science, I definitely recommend, and I'm sure you've had someone recommend this already, is Teeming with Microbes oh, yes. by Jeff Lowenfeld. So that one just really explains in depth why compost will make a difference in your soil and what is happening within the soil to make a healthy plant. And I think that's a, that will create a true understanding of what needs to happen and kind of frame you for what you want to do in agriculture. Yeah. Part of the reason I asked this question is because I'm, I'm an avid reader too. I love reading and I'm always looking for something new to read. And you're right. People have already shared about that book. Not that that's any less about hearing it from you. So I'm going to ask you the second question. And that is what's your favorite fiction book? Cause I'm looking. For oh my gosh. Book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, to, uh, my favorite fiction book right now is the bear and the nightingale series. It's a book set in medieval Russia, and it's got a lot of themes to it. One of the themes is the transition between, you know, the old world gods and Christianity. So you're seeing this transition from the viewpoint of a young woman who is by far the most dynamic character I've ever read. Wow. Uh, she, you know, you never predict what Vasu is going to do, although it always is within her character. And it is just, a great, great novel. And I highly recommend reading fun stuff <laughs> every so often over the educational stuff. Although it's educational as well. I didn't know too much about it. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for that. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I want to say from the bottom of my heart, last year, I lost my father unexpectedly. Mm. And I'm sorry. So this advice is really coming from a deep spot is, you know, don't waste your time. My dad always had us repeat after him. What is waste? Waste is evil. 
and waste <laughs> is evil is something that is always in the yeah. back of my mind. Waste is, and you know, we talk about food waste. We talk about all different types of waste, but we rarely talk about waste in terms of time. And so I just really give the advice that don't spend time doing things that you don't want to do. And every we have a limited amount of time. Yeah. So there's no time to waste to do what wow. you want to do. Wow. And that was truly epic. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for joining us on the show today, Alyssa. What, how can our listeners find you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking with you. You can find us at www.foodtosoil.net. You can email at info at foodtosoil.net. That will come to me if it's relevant <laughs> to me. We all, but it'll definitely come to Food Soil. So you can find us there. And thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for doing the work you're doing. It is epic. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash food number two soil, food to soil. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.